Okay? You know, there's the power to motivate. There's the power to pull in emotions. There's the power to change. Um, stories have this connection for us. So this morning, we want to talk about um, stories and uh, hearts and real estate, believe it or not. And what all of these different things have to tell us about God. So I don't know about you, but when we had that cold stretch, I was thinking a lot about real estate. Have you ever heard that? I remember when we bought our first home, they said the most important, the three most important things buying a home are location, location, location. You know, and just, you know, one house in Saskatoon, and you put that exact same house in downtown Vancouver, and the value is different. You know, it's just location. And when we hit that cold stretch, I was thinking about changing location. I was thinking about islands. You know, so there's Australia, and I was like, oh, the beaches on Australia. I have a, she was an old youth of mine, but I see her on social media every once in a while. She married an Australian and lives in Australia now. And I understand there's all the forest fires and things going there. But, you know, I see some of her pictures with her, all her blonde-haired kids, you know. And I'm like, oh, that would be okay. Or there's these islands, Hawaii. I was like, oh, when it was minus 50 or 45 or whatever, I'm like, I could handle Hawaii right now, you know, and the, and the beaches and the heat. Um, location will also, and we're going to talk about it in a little later, but location also gives us a clue into God and his heart. And, and we see that in when we look at the story. There, there, let me back up. There can be a bit of a a mistake that we make when we encounter God and faith and we look at scriptures. And, and one of the mistakes that we can make is that we, we just zero in and like, oh, I really like this story found in the Bible. Or I really like this verse found in the Bible. And we just kind of zero in too much on just one little story or one little verse. And it kind of becomes like, a, you know, sometimes a theme verse, like my motto for my life. And it, and it sounds spiritual, it sounds good, but sometimes we can miss the context and the whole point. And, and sometimes we think, you know, following God, it's about being good. If I can just, you know, God becomes this moral agent, agent for me to help me to be good. And again, there's nothing, I'm not saying, oh, be bad. There's nothing wrong with being good. You know, we tell our kids all the time, be good. So there's nothing necessarily wrong with being good, but again, we kind of miss the point of it all. And so what I want to do is, is almost instead of zeroing in, I want us to zoom out and just look at the big picture. And what I'm hoping for all of us, what it did for me this week as I read and prayed and studied, I'm hoping for all of us we kind of be like, oh, okay, that's how the whole Bible, this is the story that God is telling and this is where I fit into that story. And the Bible's a daunting book. It's probably over a thousand pages. There's tons of different authors, tons of different genres, you know. But really, when you zoom out and look at it, it's, it's a four-act story. There's kind of four parts to it. 
Just like in a movie, you kind of have the, you know, introducing the characters, and then there's, you know, maybe some, something happens, a conflict, and then there's some resolution. It's the same idea. There's these four acts of the story. And, and to be honest, the story's not done yet. And so when, when you open scripture, it begins at the beginning. Creation. And, and, and the interesting thing is, is, is God is creating, it is good. But the problem is when we hear that word good, we think of like just something simple like, you know, your kid comes with something they created on a piece of paper and you're like, oh, that's good, Johnny. Well done, you know. Let's put it up on the fridge. But as God created, the, the, the goodness is, is, we talked about a few Sundays ago, that idea of shalom. It's everything was right. Everything was at, it was at peace. Everything was whole. It's like that when you had that, that perfect day or a perfect moment or a perfect, you know, and you're just kind of like, oh, this is, this was fantastic. Everything just was in the right place. Maybe, maybe you had a job, you know, it was just, everything was perfect. You're like, ah. Oh. And that's how it was in creation. When God created, everything was just perfect. It was good. It was, a, it was at peace. And because of that, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't any, between God and, and humanity, there, there wasn't any barriers. It was, it was all just rich and good, and relationally it was fine. And that becomes kind of our first act of this story of God that he's been telling. And then something happens that we call the fall. And this is where humanity, because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion against God, things broke. So God still gave some instruction and said, hey, there's one thing I don't want you to do. It's eat from this tree. And evil tempted Adam and Eve to, to, to take that, to rebel, to disobey God. And what happened was, is everything broke in that moment. There was brokenness physically. Death and decay entered into our world. There was brokenness socially. Relationships between humanity were, were broken and there was, there was obstacles there. And there was brokenness spiritually. Between humanity and God, there was this It wasn't that goodness of creation anymore. It was difficult. It was hard. There was these barriers. So we, we recognize this, this brokenness. You know, flip open the news or think about some of your relationships. So I have, I, I can't remember. The problem when you speak a lot is you can't always remember your stories. But our kids are involved in uh, sports and in football. And there was, uh, again, I didn't gather a bunch of people, and people have different ideas. And there was this, 
not, not specifically with us, but with the whole group, there was this disagreement and there's kind of camps, you know, people that wanted this and people wanted that. And things, I don't know if you ever experienced this in like uh, community sports, but things got a little uh, tense and testy. And I still, it frustrates me, but that evening still comes up in my mind. And after that evening, people treated me differently because they felt like I was in one camp and they're in this camp. I didn't think I was in any camp, but they said, you know, I'm in this camp. And so then they started treating me differently. By differently, like, you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, yelling at me or mean, but it was like, I'm not, you know, cold shoulder. And so I remember this one particular person in particular, we've had lots of good conversations. And then, I... I'm just going to be honest. There's, I, I love being a pastor, but sometimes it's not the greatest. I just got to admit, I, I'm just going to say, because people have expect, people have pictures in their head of what a pastor is, and so they, and they put that picture onto me, like, you should act this way, Tyson. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of like, I'm just a guy, like, I'm not Jesus, you know, like, that's what I want to, and so this person that I had really, we've had, they found I was a pastor, and, we, and, and we've had these great conversations, and, you know, she's opened up and shared stuff from her life where uh, hurts and pains, and, and I've tried to, you know, love on her and share Jesus with her, and uh, I remember at this one point where this conflict's happening, she looks at me, and she goes, how could you? You're a minister, and I was like, what did I do? That's what I said to her. What did I do? And she's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I, I've just, I don't, like, I still, and, and after that moment, after she said that to me, it's been, it's gone from these conversations where we're both kind of opening up and sharing to cold shoulder, hold me at a distance. I try to be like, hey, how are you doing? Good. You know, the one-word answer is cold. And I'm like, the relationship is broken. And it still, this was months and months ago, and it still bugs me. I don't know if you can relate to that, where you have a relationship in your life where it's broken and it hurts and it's painful. And it bothers you. Or maybe it doesn't bother you. You're like, yeah, good. Never want to talk to them ever again. I would suggest that might not be the Christ-like thing to think, but that we get hurt, and we hurt people. That's part of the fall, the brokenness. Relationally, there's this brokenness. I think we all know it. I think if, if we got vulnerable and we sit down, each and every one of us could tell a story of a time when someone hurts you. And I bet you if we were equally vulnerable and honest, we could tell a story where we hurt somebody. Maybe not intentionally, but we hurt somebody. It's the result of the fall. But it's the same spiritually. That same brokenness, that feeling I have towards this other person where I'm like, ah, I want things to be right, but they just don't seem to be. And I'm kind of like, oh, what do I do? And I'm fretting about it. It's the same thing with God. 
I think every human being, but I think all of us, if, if you ask somebody at their most vulnerable, honest moment, they would say deep down, they have this craving, this desire to be right with God. They might not know how to explain that or articulate that, but they'd want them and God to be good. So at, the, at this moment of brokenness, at the fall that happened, God could have just you know, wiped the slate clean and said, I'm starting over. He could have done all sorts of things, but instead he, he, he moved the story into the story of redemption. This idea of taking the brokenness and starting to piece it back together and to heal it. And the big bulk of scriptures is about this story of redemption. And the best way I can think of redemption is just that, of something broken being made whole again. To the point where you can't even tell it was broken in the first place. And so what was his plan? You know, he's God. He can do anything. And this is the interesting thing. But his plan is, is instead of just being like, okay, I speak it and it exists, and it's all back to how it was in creation at the beginning of the story, God decides, no, 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 I'm going to use history and people and events to bring about my redemption. And so he starts with a guy named Abraham. And this is what he says to Abraham. He says, go. Be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And through Abraham becomes the nation of Israel. And the whole point was God was saying, you know what, I'm going to use Abraham and his descendants to so this nation of Israel, and they are going to be the ones that are going to show my redemption. They're going to show my blessing, my love to the world, and they're going to help take this brokenness and make people right with each other and make people right with God. I'm going to start put, you know, use these people to start putting the brokenness back and making it whole. <clears throat> and we think, oh, this is awesome. The problem is they failed miserably. We see this as you read the story. It's these moments of great success and then great failures. And hey, they're doing a good job of being a light and sharing this and being a blessing to they're doing the exact opposite. So again, instead of God throwing in the towel and saying, man, I quit on these people, he's continuing this story of redemption. And it transitions from Israel to God saying, okay, I'm going to come myself. I'm going to step into history, and I'm going to enter this story myself. The, the theological word for this we call is the Incarnation. God becoming human. And it cannot be overstated the importance of it. It's not a nice little cute Christmas story and baby Jesus and, ah, isn't baby Jesus cute? When you zoom out and look at the whole story, this is God saying, these are desperate times. 
I need to enter into the story myself because it's not working. My love and my goodness and my compassion for these people is so great that I'm going to enter into the story for the purpose of redeeming them, taking their brokenness and making them whole. And so out of love, he enters the story. There's this equally powerful part of God, which is his justice. So you have this love and this justice. They're both equally important to God. So the moment, the climax of the story, this would be the part of the story where the, the music is building, you know, it probably even changes the music and it builds and it builds. And you know when you're watching one of those movies and you know something's going to happen? For sure, when it's a scary movie, you know when something's going to happen. But it's like even like a, an action or something like it's building and it's building. This is what this is what be happening. The story, God enters it, and it builds and it builds and it moves to the cross. And at the cross is where this idea of all of us, all of humanity before and still to come, finally can be redeemed, can be made whole. It's about God's love entering the story and God's justice being fulfilled by Jesus on the cross. So generally, when we celebrate on Christmas and Easter, the story of God coming and becoming one of us and the story of Jesus on the cross and what he did, you can never, ever overemphasize those two parts of the story. Without them, we would be blind and floundering and wandering around. Because of them, we can experience redemption. And then the last part of the story, which hasn't happened yet, is the new creation. When you, when you read the story, when you look at it, the plan is, is for God to come and to make it back to like basically how it was at the creation. It's like when, we look, when you read the end of the Bible and the beginning of the Bible, they are the same more or less. There's a new creation. Everything will be good once again. And it's here. It's this planet. It's God recreating here. Humanity. The brokenness will be healed and restored. There's a judgment. Again, God's justice and love. But ultimately, God's plan is for everything to be whole again, good again where there is shalom, there's peace. And this is how the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, describes that kind of moment. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. See, it's just like hearkening back to the beginning of Genesis, God dwelling among the people. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. 
That's at the fall. God's the one who says, hey, you disobeyed me. Now there's going to be death and mourning and work and stuff. He's saying, no, 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 I'm taking that curse away. It's going back to creation. For the old order of things has passed away. In other words, my redemption is complete now. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And so the story will end how it began. God in his plan will redeem, make whole. He'll take broken things, you, this earth, everything, and make it whole again. So what does real estate have to do with this whole story and what's going on? And this story of God, what does it mean for us and what does it mean about real estate? So this is, this is the Mediterranean Sea. If you notice, I'm gonna, I've been wanting to do this for years ever since I had this. I get this little laser pointer. <laughs> Just the only reason we had this slide up here, so I, no, it's not true. But you see the boot there? That's Italy. So this is North Africa and Southern Europe. In ancient times, this was the known world, more or less. And uh, so you've got you to remove all your perceptions of Europe and Northern Africa you have of today. And I'm going to give you a 30-second lesson of what it was thousands of years ago. It was booming economy in Europe and Northern Africa. Northern Africa was booming economically, educationally. Like, it was a thriving area. And also Southern Europe, obviously, with Rome and all we, you can read in your scriptures. The problem was, at that time, is traveling on the Mediterranean was very dangerous. So if you got on a boat, especially during certain seasons, if you got on a boat and traveled, you were taking, you know, it was like, eh, it's 50-50 if you're going to survive kind of thing. You're taking your life in your hands. But for trade, there need to, to be travel from Southern Europe, and like, they needed to trade with each other. And so what happened was, is a lot of the trade wouldn't happen by boat, but it would be happened by land, and people would go this way and this way. But there's another little problem. There's this really big desert right here. And no one wants to travel through a desert for obvious reasons. So what would happen is, is as people traveled, and what, my, what I mean by people is the vast majority of trade and economy when they traveled, so lots and lots of people, they would travel this way and hug this coastline and come in here and trade and hug this coastline. So what happened was is this little strip of land right here became like a super highway of the ancient world. This got tons of travel. If this was like, if, if you could kind of write a book and this was, you know, a little bit of modern with a little bit of old, this right here would be filled with hotels you know, and, and gas stations and pit stops. Because the amount of travel that happened here was immense, the most in the known world. You want a little clue in the heart of God? When he picked Abraham and said, you're going to be my people, why didn't he put Abraham in Australia or Hawaii to be isolated by themselves and they could just revel in God? God could have done that. But he didn't. He put them in a land that we call Israel now, which is right there. This is where God put them. Right in the middle of the superhighway of those times. 
the whole world would be traveling through Israel constantly. Is it possible when God says, I want you to be a light to the world, to share my hope, when he said that to Abraham and to Israel, that he plunked them right there so that they had no choice? It's like the whole world keeps coming through your backyard. And so what does that mean for us? The church has become kind of the extension of Israel. Now, we are this group of people that are gathered, that are supposed to be the light of the world and sharing God's hope with others. He didn't place us geographically in Israel. He scattered us all around the world. And so we are here in Edmonton. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's minus 50. But we're here. And we rub shoulders with the world. So the heart of God is for us to help in that redemption work, to help broken people become whole, and for us to become whole. Remember our story? A whole story told in two and a half minutes. If I had to describe it, you might describe it a little differently, but in a way it's a story of a girl that kind of lost her way a little bit of who she was. She started to try to be, instead of being herself, she started to try to be Madonna. And again, it ends, the story ends with her realizing, no, 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 I can be myself. Is it possible that sometimes we lose our way? That we forget who God created us to be? By all means, let's not all do it the same way. Let's not all be cookie cutter. But at the heart, God is in the business of redemption, of taking broken people and making them whole, taking broken relationships and making them whole, of seeing his relationship with humanity broken and making it whole. And what he's asking us to do, what he asked Israel to do, is to join in him in that process. And he makes it really obvious and uncomfortable for us. Just like for Israel, that he smack dab, put them in the middle of like the super highway of the ancient world. He does this silly thing where he puts people in our lives that we might disagree with. We might think, ah, you know what? They're long comfortable talking to them. And God's saying, I know. That's why I put them in your life. Join me in redeeming. Join me in, in, in the process of seeing broken things made whole. So I tend to think, I see my journey with God less, as, less of a destination and more of a, of a process that unfortunately lasts for the rest of my life. I never see me and God as like, ooh, I've arrived. You know, like, look at me. You know, I've arrived. I don't see it like that. I see it more of a, I'm here. 
okay, God, how can I get a little closer to you and more like you? How can I get a little closer to you and more like you? And so I wonder if, if we looked at it a bit more of a spectrum, where are you? Would you be like, you know what? Maybe I've been kind of coming and in some ways just kind of going through motions, but I've never said, you know what, I'm all, I'm all in Jesus. I'm not going to do life my way, I'm going to do life your way. Or maybe you're kind of saying, you know what? And this whole story of God and how he's about redemption and, and drawing people in himself and making them whole, and I actually have a part to play in this, to partner with God. You know what? I've been the person on the sidelines cheering it on, like, hey, you know, good job. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I'm cheering it on, but I'm not in the game. I'm not being part of it and doing what I can. That's okay. Maybe God's nudging you to be like, okay, maybe it's time to get off the bleachers and into the game. And maybe you're in the game and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm trying to bring people to God so that they can be made whole. I'd say, awesome. So who else in our lives, who could we be praying for? Who could we be loving on? Who can we be talking? Don't ever coerce or use guilt or don't, don't do that. But who, who, are you, who, are you, who are you out of a heart of you are broken? And my story is I'm not perfect, but man, God has been making me whole and it is wonderful. And I want that for you. Who in your life are you like, you know, there's somebody else that I would love their brokenness to be healed. So I'm going to pray in a moment, and, and I'm just going to ask um, anybody, is, do you need to make some movement in your life? Even if you're like, oh, I'm in the game. How can, how can you slide over a bit more and be more like God, closer to God in this? But the key is, is reflection and deciding. And I just encourage you, after I pray, I'm going to dismiss, and if you want to stick around and worship or pray or talk to someone, you're going to be more than welcome to do that. But if, 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 you're, if you are thinking, okay, I'm here and I actually need to be here, I encourage you to tell someone about that and pray with someone about it. Because you weren't created to do life on your own. You were created to do it in community. And so, God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us. If there's someone here that's, you know what they're saying, you know, I've been coming and kind of going through the motions, but I've never said, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to let you be the captain, the boss, the the leader of my life, and I'm not going to kind of call the shots anymore. I pray you just help that person right now just to talk to you about that, God. I say those that have kind of been sitting in the bleachers and, and cheering on, you, 
your heart, God, and, and people being redeemed and people coming to you, but you know what? They haven't been participating. I pray that you would challenge them. They would look at ways or how they could get into the game. Be part of what you are about, God. And those that are in the game, God, I pray that you encourage them. I pray that you would challenge them to not be satisfied, but that they could uh, go farther. That they could partner with you in deeper ways. And so we thank you, God. We praise you. Amen. So what we want to do these Sundays is we're going to just create, create an environment for those that want it. Is, this will be kind of your official dismissal. But if you want to visit, we're just going to ask you now if you want to visit, just go out in the foyer and do that. But we're just going to create an opportunity here if you want to worship a bit more, pray, um, process what kind of was talked about. Uh, that's what this space is going to be for now. So Bailey, why don't you lead in a few songs?